All right, so if you'll take your Bible, Exodus chapter 20. Perhaps you have had this happen to you before. You are in a, um, a place where you're not normally at. Maybe it's way across the city. Uh, maybe it's uh, you're traveling with family. Um, and you're traveling across the country or something of that nature. You're on a business trip in a city where you don't really know anybody except the business associates that you're working with. You're staying in a hotel. Uh, For me, one time this happened and I was at Six Flags, okay? And so you're walking around and and you're just doing your thing and you're looking at these people and you don't know any of these people and and, um, you know, you're just kind of isolated by yourself among a group of people. And then all of a sudden you hear someone say, your name, Patrick. And you're like, wait a minute, hold on. And so you, you turn around or you look up and you're wondering, what, what, what person used their mouth to utter these vibrations that float through the air that translate into my name and my ear? Well, who is this? Do I know them? What are they? In just a split second, you're thinking all this. And you turn around and you look at that person in the face. And it may be an old friend that you haven't seen for a long time that lives in a different part of the country. Uh, for me at Six Flags, it was someone from the, our old church that I hadn't seen in years. And I heard my name. Or it could be this. You turn around and you look at them. And they have this weird look in their eyes like they're staring off into space. But what they're really doing is using your name to call that person behind you. Names mean something. They're personal. They're important. But here's the thing. There is only one name that is above every name. So let's turn in our Scripture to Exodus 20. We're going to read the context because I want us to always be thinking about the context. Verse 1, I, I'm sorry, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that by your Spirit you would help us understand your Word and even more so by your Spirit enable us to flee to Christ and by His grace walk in the way of truth and righteousness. In Jesus' name, Amen. The third commandment is all about the name that is above every name. Let's talk about names specifically a little bit in order to to drive home really what he's teaching us here in this passage and, and see how that applies to his name. And then we'll consider what it means to misuse it as well as to honor it. So our first point is going to be this. What is in a name? 
Again, our names are important. We have the wonderful privilege of having two babies. One of them's right back there. The other one just left, I think. <laughs> we have had two babies born this year in this church fellowship. And we have another one right over here on the way. Now, you may have noticed through this that all of you, as you sit here today, no one ever walks up to you and says, Hey, baby, unless it may be your spouse. You are not named baby. Hey, baby. You know, you know how you do that. Oh, what a cute baby. You know, But what do we ask usually after we say that? Oh, what a cute baby. What's its sex? What's its name? What's the name of this baby? What's this baby's name? Names are important. And, and parents typically take time to seek out names for their kids because they mean something. Well, in a book by John Frame, it's a huge, thick, thousand-page book on ethics, okay? The Christian life. John Frame points out three purposes of naming uh, in Scripture that is helpful to set a foundational understanding of this important commandment. First of all, naming is exercising sovereignty. It is an exercise of sovereign control. If we turn back to the first chapter of the Bible... After we read that God created the earth and the cosmos and the animal life, He said these words, Let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have, notice, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, if you were to be in Genesis chapter 1, you would flip over to chapter 2, you would read this, that, that, that after, you know, we kind of have a tighter focus in chapter 2, giving us a little more detail. You would read this in verse 19. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whether the man called every living creature, whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So what's the man doing here? What's going on? The one who gives the name to someone else has some measure of control of the one who receives it. Man was given dominion over the animal kingdom. A family invites a pet into their home and the family names that pet. A parent, as we said, names a child. A conqueror names the conquered city. I was telling you a few, few weeks ago about the book I read about the Comanches. When the Comanches would take people, they would rename them. The Lord names His people. And there is no name over the name of Yahweh. For He is self-existent, self-sufficient. His control is over all. So naming is indeed exercising Sovereignty. The second thing that Frame brings up is that naming is characterizing. Names in the Scripture both denote and describe. To name someone is to say something about them. In the Scriptures, we see that a father would express in the child's name his, his hopes for the child, uh, some circumstances for the child's birth or his feelings about an event. Take, for example, Abraham, a proper noun. 
His name was Abram. God renamed him to Abraham. But this distinct, this is, is, is focused on a certain person. It's, it's designating a particular human being, Abraham. We know who that is when we talk about it. But his name also describes him. It describes him as a father of a multitude. So when we come to Yahweh in the scripture, Yahweh is also a proper name. Designating the one true God. But it also describes God as the ultimate Lord focusing on his attributes of control, authority, and presence. God names Himself, and in doing so, He presents to us an authoritative declaration of who He is and what He does, and all His names that follow suit, and I think there's some 200 of them in Scripture, all those names that follow suit, they characterize His his creative power, His might, His transcendence, as well as His Lordship. It's amazing to me to think that, you know, you and I can have one name, but God can't. He's got to have multiple names because how else do you describe God? It's amazing. The third thing that uh, Frame noted is that naming is locating. Naming is locating. A name serves to mark a person. You may remember as a child, Jason and I were talking about earlier some things about this, but Jason and I kind of grew up in a different part of an area than a lot of you kids did. You grow up here in the city. It's a lot different. But back, you know, we would be, I, was, I pulled up a map and I showed my kids, this is where I lived. And we would play here and we would play here and we would play here and all these different woods and houses and friends and all this stuff. But in, in, the, after, in the late afternoon, my mom would come out and she would yell, Patrick, come home, Patrick, come home. Now, all of those kids that I was playing with wouldn't leave and go home with me, would they? No, because their name was not Patrick. In a classroom, A teacher distinguishes a child from another child because of their name. Our names become closely identified with us. Over time, people get to know us. Our name embodies who we are. We think of someone, you know, that we love deeply. uh, A friend, uh, a child, a grandparent, a, a spouse. And that name represents more than letters combined on a piece of paper. Like in our church, we have... This thing, a lot of people have the same name. Patrick, Patrick. And then Tammy's son, Patrick. Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. Which Patrick are you talking about? I've been talking to Krista before. She's talking about Jessica. And she's going on and on. I'm like, that doesn't sound like Jessica at all. I'm like, are you talking about Jessica Miller? Oh, no, I'm talking about Jessica, blah, 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 blah. It makes a difference, doesn't it? It really does point out that our names are more than just letters combined on a piece of paper. God is also identified with His name. As the Scriptures say, it is glorious and awesome. Yahweh is majestic and holy. To praise His name is to praise Him. To despise His name is also to despise Him. Glory is due His name. We give thanks to His name. We trust in His holy name. We are saved for His name's sake. And thus, we are bearers of His name. 
to what we see is that through the Scripture, God's name is, if you will, as though looking at God Himself. Speaking of God Himself. That is why the name and the names of God should always be used in a reverent way. When dealing with God's name or names, we are dealing with God's character, with His nature, with His essence. We are dealing with God Himself. So let me ask you a question. When your name is, is misspelled or misspoken, typically, do you correct that other person? And give them your correct name. Did you in middle school loathe that group of boys or girls who took your name and turned it into some way to humiliate you and belittle you? When people misuse your name, does it bother you? When, if someone has ever used your name to... Um, injure you or to use your name to cause trouble with your family. Think about that. Does that not offend you greatly? Well, God's name is above every name. God's name is of holy importance. Listen to the commandment again. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So as we think about how important this is, as we think about the, the depthness, and I could go on and on and on about it. We could spend the rest of the day just talking about how important names are. But I want you to think about this commandment, and let's look closer at just what, how this helps us in terms of, of God's great name. So our second point is, is, what is it to misuse and right use the name? What is it? Again, the commandment is, and you hear the warning, listen to the warning, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Do not misuse His name. Why? For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes His name in vain. I'm telling you, we must grasp this, this issue. And studying this this week, I, I was brought to see that we don't take this seriously enough. I don't take this seriously enough in my own life. Think about our culture. How lax our culture in this. But really think about us. Do we as God's people really honor His name as we should? Taking a name in vain means to lift it up for nothingness. To empty it. Scripturally, this means several things. First of all, the very beginning of understanding this commandment is to understand that at its heart, we are being told not to take up God's name by an oath in vain. Now, you may be thinking, aren't you getting ahead of yourself? I know the Ten Commandments. This sounds like you're speaking of the Ninth Commandment. Do not bear false witness. Well, it may seem like that, but the ninth commandment is focused on harming our neighbor by a false oath. The third commandment is concerned with harming the reputation and the name of God because of a false oath. We see this in the New Testament as Jesus teaches further on this command in the Sermon on the Mount. He quotes from Leviticus 19.12 these words, You shall not swear by, name, by my name falsely, and so profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. So when we 
um, swear falsely and bring up God's name, if we have no intention of keeping that, we are profaning His name. And He warns us, do not do that. So in other words, the ninth commandment tells us that we are to protect our neighbor's name and reputation. And we'll get to that. But the third commandment today tells us that we are to protect God's name and reputation by the way we take up His name. And so, at its very heart, this is a command that God's name is not to be applied to an oath in any solemn situation unless we intend to be faithful to commitment that we are giving to our word. We will do this, Lord, because we have said we will. Secondly, as we look at this command and understand what it means um, to violate it, it means that we are not to blaspheme the name of the Lord. This brings us to the place of what we, of what we normally think of when we hear this commandment. That we're not to take the Lord's name in vain. To blaspheme is to speak with contempt about God. Or to be defiantly irre- irreverent. Blasphemy is any verbal or written reproach of God's name, His character, His work, or attributes. And I believe that this includes using the name of God in empty phrases such as OMG. Such as, oh my Lord. Or many others that you could put in there. I say that because when we say those things, we say them lightly. Yesterday, I was at Mia's volleyball game, and they were playing, and this one set, they were really having a hard time, and the ball kept falling to the same place over and over again. And I just went, oh, my Lord. And I went, I just violated the Lord's name. Because it's frivolous. Now, if you were to walk up to me and say, my aunt just died, and I were to put my hand on your shoulder and say, my Lord, let's pray. That's different. You see, the use is different. You see, in the volleyball game, I'm just upset that these girls aren't playing like I think they should play. You see what I'm saying? And so I throw that out. And in today's culture, you know how, how you know, the OMG thing is so popular. I'm telling you as I've read this, and I believe this to be true, that is using God's name profanely. It's not using it in the right way that we should use it. So let's talk about how serious the Lord is in protecting His name and not blaspheming His name. Let's let's talk about that just for a minute. In Leviticus 24, there's a story there of a a man who was born of an Israelite woman, but his father was Egyptian. So they're coming out of Egypt, and I guess the father came with them. And he went out to the camp, and he got into a fight with someone. And in the fight, he blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed, is what the Scripture says in Leviticus 24. The Lord said this. They, well, they took, him, they took him to a place. They kept him there until they could discern what the Lord would say. And this is what the Lord said. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregations shall stone him. That's how serious the Lord is about His name. Now, we read in this this, um, affirmation of faith here, it says this, it says, um, uh, 
and sparing the transgressors of this commandment that He will not allow them to escape His righteous judgment, although many of them escape the censures and punishments of mankind. We may go around saying, oh my God, all the time, using the Lord's name in vain all the time, and it doesn't mean we're going to be stoned. But He tells us in this passage that He will not hold anyone guiltless for using His name in vain. That should really concern us. It's serious business. It is something that we need to grow mindful of in our actions and our heart. And it's hard for us to see this because of the culture and the media we consume is inundated with it. But don't you understand that that's exactly what's going on with these people is they are being called out of the land to go into the land that God promised them. And as He's giving these commandments, God knows that there's people all around them that will lead them astray. And that's exactly what you see. So that in any breaking of any commandment, that's what's, move, that's what's one of the things that could be possibly moving in our heart. Is that we have been inundated by the culture. And what the Lord's saying here is, is that this has no place in the lives of God's people. Now while this misuse may be the aspect that we think most of when we think about you know, not taking the Lord's name in vain... You know, the idea of blasphemy. Um, there's more to it than just using his name as an expletive or as an empty phrase. So thirdly, and tied close to this, is this. We are not to attach God's name to practices, to plans, to ideas, or opinions that God himself would never put his name to. So let me give you an illustration that I came across this week. And this is really thought-provoking in terms of even, you know, our nation at this time. I want you to think about this. So as the National Socialism developed in Germany in the 1930s, it was the interest of Adolf Hitler to draw to his side the churches in Germany. I wonder why that would be. A lot of churches, a lot of people. Let's get them on our side. And so by various means, he attempted to hijack the church during his rise to power. And one of the ways he did this, one of the ways that he did this was trying to attach Christian truth to Nazism in any way he could. For example, there were soldiers who went out to fight those wars, who went out to fight those battles with the name inscribed on their belt buckle, Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. That's blasphemy, people. That is blasphemy. They were using this to draw the, everybody around them. They're mixing in Christian truth with Nazism. And they're trying to invoke the name of God to attach it to what they were doing. And if you think of it this way, so too were those who took part in the, in the brutality and death of the Jews and their support. And their supporters, as those people were taken into those concentration camps. The people that took them there, the people that dealt with them in brutality, the people that killed them, deceptively believed that they were doing what they did in the name of God. We must never attach to God's name something that God Himself would have nothing to do with. Where do you see this in other parts of the history of mankind? 
Where might you see this in our day and time? Where do you see those who claim Christ as Savior attaching God's name to practices, plans, ideas, opinions, and even worship elements that God Himself would never put His name upon? Think about the the varying uh, political fractions of today. To be honest with you, on both sides, I cringe. I cringe. As we consider these misuses of God's name, we need to understand that God will not be party to a lie. He will not be party to the distortion of truth. He will not be party to hypocrisy. He will not lend His name to that which is false. He will not allow His name to be slighted, cursed, or misused. And as His called out people, let's be honest, neither should we. Remember the context of these commands. It's at the bottom of your sermon page. It's right there. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He redeemed the people and He gave His good law to show them who He is, what He is about, and what He, and what he looks to in terms of how we should honor Him. He has redeemed us too through Christ. And now we have this good law to show us who He is and what He is about and what it looks like, what we should do to honor Him. And so it's in terms of application, I want you to think about this. Pray for discerning minds in today's culture. And here's the thing I want to tell you. We could look at this whole thing and say, oh, the culture's so much worse today. You go back and it's bad. It's always bad. It's, this is the world that's broken. It's cursed. But God's people are to live what? As, as holy people. What does holy mean? Separate. Separate people. So pray for discerning minds not to be drawn away by the culture to live profane the name of the Lord your God. I was telling Jason after the second service that I'm deeply concerned about the church today and some of the things that the church is adopting from our culture that God would have nothing to do with. In the book of Revelation, we'll say, well, once saved, always saved. We're all good. The book of Revelation gives us warning. I'll take my lampstand out from among you. These are sobering things, folks. So pray for discerning minds. Pray for softened hearts to see where easily we treat God with casualness instead of honor. Pray for earnestness in bearing the name of our great God that His name would be known in our lives without even the slightest scent of hypocrisy. And believe me, I'm, I'm, I am one of those that would say, you know, the church is going to sin. God's people are going to sin. We're not what we need to be yet, but that's where we're going. And that's why we need to be quick to act and do how God has told us to act and do in Scripture when it comes to asking for, for, for forgiveness and dealing with sin in our own lives. Memorize this command. As a matter of fact, memorize all of them. 
Parents, we ought to be teaching our children the commandments. We ought to be diving in there, thinking about them, wrestling with them. Pick up or go online and dig through the larger catechism. We used that this morning. Here is our affirmation of faith. I think around uh, number 111, it talks about the third commandment. So go in there and dig around and look at the verses that support what the divines wrote in terms of the theology from the, the Scripture and how we are to not misuse the name of the Lord God or to honor it. Develop a greater understanding, a stronger conviction, a stronger conscience, and also a stronger desire to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And I'll quote here from the from the, that confession, that we would have holy and reverent use in our thoughts of the Lord's name, that in our meditations, our words, and our writings, in God's name, in His titles, in His qualities, in His regulations, in His word, in His sacrament, in His prayer, in His oaths, in His vows, in His works, and anything else by, by way that He makes Himself known. Let us grow in our understanding of that and our living out of that truth. So here's the reality. I've already told you yesterday I broke this commandment by just frivolously throwing out the Lord's name out there. I think we all do. I think if we reflect upon our hearts and we look at the law as it is supposed to be a mirror to reflect us what's really there, we often truly fail because, because it's, we're, we're broken, rebellious human beings. And to be honest, when I read the, the warning that the Lord gives there, it's a frightening prospect to stand before a living and holy God with such sin. We're tempted by the world. We get inundated by our culture. We're, we're tempted by our own flesh, our own pride. And we're especially tempted by the one who would love to see the name of the Lord destroyed and drugged in the mud and defamed and cursed. And all throughout history, he's been doing the same thing. You know, I, I, I look at it and I'm like, Hitler was just a puppet of Satan. That's all it is. He's a puppet of Satan. And it's still going on today. Don't think that it only happened to Hitler. Still going on today. So we need to see our sin. But here's the thing. Thankfully, this is not the end. You see, there's a person. And as you have been living here in this faraway land around people that you don't recognize and some you do and all those things, as you're going about your life, just living your life, you've heard a voice. Amanda. Carolyn. Mac. Chris. Dave. That is the voice of the Lord. And He has called you by name. And he has said, yes, you've broken that commandment. Yes, you've defamed the name of the Lord. You've dishonored it. You've used it in vain. You haven't honored it as well as you should have. But I tell you what, I'll, I'll take care of that sin for you. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die for you. And if you will believe in me, I will wash away your sin. I will forgive you. And because of my because of my faithfulness. Now I want you to think about that just a minute. Is Jesus not the only one who has hollowed the name of the Lord? 
is it should be hallowed. Remember how he told us to pray? You know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Is Jesus not the only one who's ever truly done that? Is he not the only one who has set it apart and made it special, holding it in reverence, manifesting the name of God in complete and total honor? When he was praying in John 17, that's what he said. Father, I have manifested your name. He made God known. He he protected God's name. He hallowed the name of the Lord. And he tells you, I will go to the cross. And I'll pay the payment for your sin. And what he does is, is he comes and, and Revelation speaks of this as kind of mysterious. I think it's in chapter 2. He says he's going to give us a stone, a white stone with a name on it that no one else knows. I don't know what that means. I read several commentaries about it this way. I don't know what it means. But I do know that he gives you a new name in union with himself. So that when you, and the scriptures talk about this, when you become in union with Christ, you are so tied to Christ that you take on His name. You bear His name. Think about it. You bear the name of the Lord God Almighty. So what this tells us is this. Your name really means something. It is identified with the name above all names. Let's pray. Father, as we come before You, we thank You and we ask You to be with us as we wrestle with this. Lord, I pray that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would come and, and press into our hearts a, uh, a deeper understanding of what it is to honor Your name. May we bear Your name well. Forgive us. Forgive us where we've fallen short. So easy for us to lose sight of the commandments. It's so easy for us to skate along. And we don't really have to work for anything. But your love, your forgiveness should compel us to desire to honor you. And so, by the power of your Spirit, help us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.